Well, it is good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here, uh, especially with the weather. I know it's supposed to take a turn here in the next hour or two probably, but uh, anyway, I'm glad that we can be here together tonight. Our lesson for tonight is uh, continuing our one-word series. Tonight's word is truth. And this is a little bit easier than covenant. We kind of know what truth is. And uh, I just, for the, you know, whenever I was preparing, I googled truth on my, my Bible app. And found all the verses that went with truth and picked out some of the ones that, that applied in different circumstances. Uh, but we see that, that truth is something that is very important to us as Christians. It's very important to us as individuals too. In any given situation, most of us want to know the truth of the matter. And we do not appreciate being lied to. I learned this from experience just in the last two or three years with preschoolers. I do not appreciate being lied to. And especially uh, whenever, you, you know, sometimes you have your favorite children. You don't tell them, but sometimes you have your favorites. And when one of your favorites lies to you, that makes it even worse. Um, but anyway, I, I remember uh, one occasion in particular, we had uh, one student, and um, I, I remember we, we had some issues with him lying, and, and it happened like three times where he would tell me something, and uh, I would find out that that wasn't the case, and so I would talk to mom, and, and so we, you know, would talk to him, and he eventually quit doing that, but I remember the next year, uh, she came in her she had another son that was still in the school and she came in the gym with him and she she came up to me I think and and uh, she was telling me listen I just wanted to tell you that you taught him not to lie because whenever even then whenever they would ask him now do we lie no only lied three times to Mr. Kyle don't lie <laughs> and uh, so that made me feel pretty good but we want the truth about any given situation, about any matter. We want the truth. We want to know what's going on. And even if someone is trying to spare our feelings, if we find out about it, it's not something that, that makes us feel good. Uh, when it comes to knowing God or of Him or learning about His Word, do we still want the truth? And I think some people have a tendency to lean toward the lie on some occasions when it comes to God's Word. You know, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he was warning Timothy that there were going to be those that had, what do they call them, itching ears, that they wanted to hear something, that would find someone to preach it. And sometimes people are content when it comes to God's Word to stick with what they know probably isn't true. Many may choose to believe the lie deceived into believing that it is the truth. But certainly if they knew the truth, then they would not appreciate the lie. The truth may be used to convict a criminal of a crime, to exonerate an innocent party, to determine what really happened in a certain situation. Lies only lead to hurt feelings and unfair consequences for those who might be innocent. And again, we might be tempted to tell a lie and, and just then thinking that, that maybe it's the best for the situation, especially if someone is about to pass away. You know, sometimes we, you know, some people have a tendency to maybe tell them something that, that will make them feel good, but, but should we tell them a lie? 
you know, in any situation when it comes to God's Word, God wants us to tell the truth. And certainly we see the importance of that in Scripture. We'll look at that in a bit. But our lesson objectives for tonight are, spiritually speaking, to learn what truth is. We want to know what the truth is, especially according to God, what is the truth. And we also want to learn how to use the truth to overcome the temptations and misleadings of the devil. Anytime that, that we are tempted to tell a lie for any reason, whether we think it's good or bad, I guarantee you it's a deception of Satan. And it's something that we need to stand against. It's something that we need to avoid as Christians. But as we get into our lesson for tonight, let's ask a few questions. Let's ask one to start with. What is truth? It's important for us to define truth, not just by man's standards, but let's define it by God's standards. Let's look at the words of, of a psalmist. The longest psalm, 119. We won't read the whole psalm. But beginning in verse 153 and reading through verse 160, Psalm 119, verse 153, Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me, revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted. Because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety or the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. When we look at God's word, we can believe, we can trust that it is the truth. Now, there are lies that are recorded in there. We think of Genesis chapter 3 when Satan lied to Eve, You shall not surely die. But that was something that was said of someone who wasn't righteous. But we know it truly happened because it's in God's Word. And that's what we can trust. Now the psalmist is seeking deliverance, redemption, salvation, and protection from enemies and knows that all of these things are found in the truth. Found in God's Word. The psalmist also gives a, a definition of what truth is. The entirety of your Word is truth. There's nothing in God's Word that we're told to do that we shouldn't do. Because this is God's Word. And He can't be associated with anything other than the truth. Now when added together, when we put all of God's Word together, now we know that there are, are some different things in there. When it comes to the Old and New Testament, there are, are things that they did in worship that we do not do today. But we understand that when putting all of God's Word together, we have everything that God wants us to know. The entirety of God's Word, the Old and New Testaments, the patriarchs, the prophets, the gospels, the encouragement of the apostles and other New Testament writers. It is all truth and it all comes together to make truth. Now we have to be, uh, we have a, a certain duty 
in studying God's Word to rightly divide the Word. We understand what was the Old Covenant, what was the New Covenant. We understand what was done then and, and what we do differently today. But everything put together is God's Word and it helps us to know God's will. And scriptures affirm the truth of this statement. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything that we have in scriptures is according to God's word. It is God's will that we know it. It's God's will that we have it. And it is important that we study it. We are warned not to tamper with the word or to accept a, ta a tampered deliverance of it. Look at what is said in Revelation 22 and beginning with verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Galatians 1, beginning with verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. We are warned in Scripture not to accept a perverted form of the gospel. Don't accept anything that you cannot find a book, chapter, and verse 4. So many people have been led astray because of false teaching. And we're warned about false teachers. But we may only accept the truth as it is given by God. Whether it's in obedience to the gospel, whether it's in how we worship, we can only accept the truth of God's word. How important is truth? Especially in regard to God's Word being true. How important is truth? Look at what it says in Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Proverbs 3, verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. We are told that it is so important that we are to bind it around our neck. Write it on the tablet of our heart. Keep it close to us at all times. Now how do we do that? When we come to know God's word, we can meditate on it even when we're not reading it. Even when we're not studying it. We keep it close to us at all times. It's that important. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy it, do not sell it. Keep it close at all times. 
Uh, abiding in the truth of God. Look at Proverbs 16.6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. The words of David, Psalm 25, beginning with verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. We can rest assured that God's word is truth and that no less could come from God. 1 John 1 and verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God would only give us the truth and we can trust that promise to be the case. Now how is truth to be used? Jesus is the perfect example for us. When we look at someone living life on earth, we have no better example than Christ himself. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Let's read these verses together. Luke chapter 4 and beginning with verse 1. Now there are two, two accounts that are given of Jesus being tempted by Satan. One is found in Matthew chapter 4 and the other is found in Luke chapter 4. And tonight we'll look at, at Luke's account. But in Luke chapter 4 and beginning with verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those, those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Very interesting wording there. He didn't affirm Jesus to be the Son of God. He said, If you are the Son of God. He cast doubt as to whether he was the Son of God or not. And Jesus, if he had been any less than who he was, might have been tempted to give in to show him. You know, a lot of times, uh, we might see it in school especially. Uh, I can remember instances where, where you might say something to somebody, well, if that's true, do this or, or do that, or, or you know, they might give you some kind of an alternative, some way to prove it. Or are you chicken? You know, something like that. And Jesus, if he was any less than who he was, he might have been tempted to try to prove himself. But he knew he had nothing that he needed to prove. He was the Son of God. There was no doubt about it. But Satan, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, 
all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now listen to this. I don't want you to get this confused. When we get to verse 10, this for it is written is not said by Jesus. This is the words of Satan. Satan says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now Satan used scripture, but again he used it in such a way as to twist it into something that it wasn't meant to say in the first place. And Jesus stands against them. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, how did Jesus use the truth against the temptations of Satan? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all three of the things that we are tempted with today. How did Jesus combat these things? Verses 4, 8, and 12. It is written. Or in the last case, it has been said. But same thing. He used the truth of God's word to overcome Satan. He quoted scripture. Now, can we do that today? Now, I may not come to a situation where it is like Jesus was with Satan where you're, you're just going to have to say scripture. You might have to, you might not. But sometimes it's just a matter of meditating on Scripture and remembering what God's Word said and using that to just knowing the truth, knowing Scripture, using it to help you, to encourage you not to give in to the temptation that you're facing. But in order to use the truth to your advantage, to help you not to give in to temptation in order to use that truth. You've got to know the truth. And it's more than just listening to a lesson on Sunday. Or even attending Bible class. There's more to it than that. You've got to study it for yourself. Now there are a lot of things that, that I probably wouldn't think of. Except for the fact of just being able to study God's word. And the more that I study, the more I realize I don't know. But I can apply these things that I don't know and use them on certain occasions whenever the need arises. But we've got to know the Scripture. And to know the Scripture, we've got to put it into here and in all of our life. Marshall Keeble is quoted as saying, You've got a book, and you can take that book and conquer the world. But you can't do it with it under your arm. You've got to have it in your heart. I believe that to be the case. It's more than just having the book in front of us. If we're going to use it, we've got to apply it 
in here, in our lives, in our mind, and in our heart, in our thinking, in everything that we do, we have to meditate on the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, I alluded to it earlier, be diligent or study to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Again, there are certain things that do not apply to us directly, but they apply to us in principle. What is it? What is the saying? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. We have to know how to rightly divide the word. We have a responsibility as Christians to study God's word. I hope that we're doing that on a daily basis. Not just taking in what we learn in, in church services or Bible classes, but apply it for yourself. Make sure that you use it on a regular basis. Telling the truth. And this will be our final point. Telling the truth. It's important for us to know the truth of God's Word. It's important for us to apply the truth of God's Word. When we are tempted, when we are facing difficult situations, it's important to know the Word of God. But when it comes to our lives as Christians, we are also told the importance of telling the truth. Being honest at all times. We have the command of God. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. Exodus chapter 20. If you recognize the chapter, it's the chapter that contains the Ten Commandments. But in Exodus 20, and let's begin reading at verse 12. Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now all of these... And not just verse 16, deal with telling the truth. Have you ever thought about that? All of these apply when it comes to being honest. Honoring father and mother requires that we tell them the truth, right? Not just when you're a child, but at all times. It's important that we tell our parents the truth. That's how we honor them, or at least one of the ways in which we honor them. Sinning against a fellow human being, in any way that we might sin against someone, whether it be in murder, adultery, stealing, covetousness, all of these require an element of deceit in, in order to, to perform those things. If we're going to murder someone, you're going to have to lie about it because otherwise you'll be arrested. When it comes to committing adultery, you're going to have to lie to your spouse because... You committed adultery with someone. You have broken those marriage vows. Stealing. That's an obvious deceit right there. Taking something that isn't yours and hoping you don't get caught. And even covetousness. Looking at something and thinking, oh, I want that so bad. Knowing that it's not yours and that it, it really can't be. But wanting it anyway. There's deceit in that because you're not going to tell your neighbor that you're coveting their things. 
All of these require an element of deceit. And certainly we should avoid telling false tales against our neighbor. That's an obvious one. But you see that in every situation, in every way that we might deal with man, we are to be honest. God wants us to be honest. Loving God as we should requires our honesty in regard to fellow man. Loving God as we should also requires that we be honest with God. In Luke 18 and beginning with verse 13, and the tax collector. We, we remember this story, okay? You remember the, the parable of, of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And, and both were praying to God. And, and the Pharisee was glad that he wasn't like this lowly tax collector. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Did you notice what the tax collector did? Whenever he prayed his prayer, he was honest with God. He didn't try to beat around the bush. He didn't try to hide the deceit that, was, that had been in him. The things that he had done, the, if he had taken extra taxes, he didn't try to hide any of that from God. He was completely honest with God. I realize that I am wrong. I realize that I have sinned against you. I am a sinner. Be merciful to me. To me, a sinner. The tax collector was justified because of his honesty and humility in coming before God because of His truthfulness before God. Now, on the other hand, we also have stories such as that of Ananias and Sapphira who were struck dead because they lied to God. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds his wife also being aware of it. She wasn't innocent in regard to, to the deceit that he had planned. She was right there with him. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Ananias and Sapphira, they failed to be honest. They could have been honest. And like Peter told him, this was in his control. What he sold was his business. And he could have given whatever portion of it he wanted and kept the rest for himself, but he tried to make himself look better. Maybe. Don't really know exactly what he was thinking. But he lied. 
And he didn't just lie to man, but he lied to God. And that was why he was struck dead. And Sapphira, along with him. Uh, we, we see something uh, that happened because they lied to God. And, and I pray that, that we never conceive such a thing in our heart. To lie to God. But it is important to tell the truth. Notice as we go back to that illustration, just those two illustrations together. You have the tax collector on one side, Ananias and Sapphira on the other. Which one did God appreciate? He appreciated the honesty of the tax collector. Even a lowly tax collector, such as himself. You know, tax collectors were not very well looked upon because they often did take more than they should. But because he was honest, he went away justified. Abiding in truth requires us as Christians to abide in the truth of God's Word. Trusting Him to guide us in His ways. To abide in God's truth requires us to know His truth and apply it accordingly. But again, it's more than just uh, taking whatever we may learn in a, a sermon or a Bible class is something that we have to do for ourselves. We have to study God's Word for ourselves. Ask questions. If you don't know the answer, ask somebody. Can't find it, ask somebody. But know God's Word. Know His truth. Apply it to your heart so that you can use it in your everyday life. And remain always honest. First of all, with others. It's important that we are honest with others around us. Again, no one appreciates being lied to. One of these days they'll find out about it and they're not going to appreciate being lied to. So make sure that you're honest in all of your dealings. Whether you conduct business or maybe it's just in a personal relationship with a friend. Make sure that you're always honest with others. Be honest with God. You know, it's important that when we pray to God, whenever we go to Him, whenever we stand in His presence, whenever we have that opportunity, that we are honest before Him. That, that we're not trying to hide anything from God because we can't hide anything from God. He knows everything. He, he knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows all. And He knows if we're truthful or not. But always be honest with God. And be honest with yourself. Because sometimes that's, that's one of the biggest places where we fail. We try to do things and, and maybe try to justify doing them. And then we realize that, that we were wrong in doing them in the first place. But it's all because we, we lied to ourselves. Uh, we told ourselves, well, this will be a good thing. And we know better. Make sure that you're honest with yourself. And that will help you to be honest with God and be honest with other people as well. Honesty, truthfulness is of the utmost importance in our lives. Now may I ask you to be honest with yourself at this moment. I want you to ask yourself am I a child of God? And we know that 
being children of God. It goes beyond obedience. Obedience is important. Hearing, believing God's Word. Confessing faith in Christ before others. Repenting of sin, turning away from it, and turning toward God. And being baptized for the remission of sins. All those things are very important to our obedience. It's important that, that, that we not just think that it's just going to happen. It's not. There's something we have to do as well. And obedience is important. But even in doing all of those things, it may be that you've turned away from God in some way or another. Maybe you felt the pull of the world and, and maybe you've gone back into it. Maybe you've done something that, that you're ashamed of. Something that, that maybe you can't just take to God. Maybe it's something that, that has shamed others as well. And maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you realize that, that whatever you're dealing with is too great a problem for you to deal with on your own. And, and maybe you need help in dealing with it. And you want prayer from the, the church. And we'll be glad to help you in that need as well. But do recognize that, that we have to be honest with ourselves and with God. And, and if you're not a faithful child of God tonight, if you need to come back to Him, if you need to repent, then that opportunity is open. And certainly if you need to obey the gospel, we'll be glad to help you in that need. But whatever we can help you with, we'll give you that opportunity as together we stand and as we sing the song of invitation, number 714.